Hi everyone, welcome to season nine, episode 25 of this year's Audiobook 11 series. Today, I have the pleasure of chatting with producer and director for Blackstone Publishing, Jesse Brickford. Thank you so much for being here. I've been wanting to talk to you for ages as far as on the show officially, so I'm so excited to have you here. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm delighted to be here. It's going to be fun. <laughs> yes. No, there's a, so much. Audiobooks are fantastic. And I think there's a bit of that, how, how they do it in the back end. And authors are asking and narrators are wanting to get into things. And even listeners are trying to like, how do I get more involved? And yeah. I'm like, I'm going to talk. I want to have Jessie on here. <laughs> <laughs> she can tell us all the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we start by having you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into producing and directing audiobooks. I joined the company back in, oh gosh, 2008. So I've been with Blackstone for just over 15 years. I started just working in production. I was, um, um, a friend of mine was working there and I needed a job. And so um, I started just sort of putting discs in sleeves for, you know, like uh, CDs and sleeves for uh, sales and for shipping. And um, I kind of worked my way through some different departments. I was in duplication for a while where we manage all of the duplicating, the CD dupl duplication robots. And I duplicated, I was the duplicator for all of our cassette tapes when we still did cassette tapes. <laughs> Um, from there, I was um, I moved to the proofing department. Um, so I was an audio proofer for several years, and um, then I joined Brian Barney in the studio department for several years. I worked just as the coordinator for the studio team. So I was getting manuscripts and word lists, and coordinating with authors and publishers to make sure that all the assets were in order. And then a couple of years ago, I was promoted to senior producer. And so that's when I really started doing a lot more casting. Um, I had been casting before before that, but that the, it kind of became one of my more concentrated efforts. And through that, I also started doing some of our directing work for um, when, you know, when needed, I, I would step in as a director. Um, and I've gotten to work on a handful of really cool projects because of that from, you know, start kind of my my time at Blackstone has really been able to uh I've seen you know a lot of different facets of the company and how we all sort of um work as cogs together and I think from my time as a proofer I you know I proofed hundreds of books so um I kind of developed a rather keen ear for what sounds good in audio and so i think that really lent itself to the directing side when i get to kind of have a little bit of creative input and help folks with text interpretation a bit more than i usually do just as a producer so um it's it's all very gratifying and cool and works different parts of my brain and um i really love it it's it's rather interesting how when you first started there was like a clear career path of sorts like that ladder of yeah. getting where, where you started off you know stuffing the cds into the sleeves to where you are now fast forward 15 years and how audio has grown i think that there's a lot of different ways to kind of get into this line of work and it's a lot of times we're like how yeah <laughs> how because i've seen it i mean i i think it's a great place to start and we i love the fact that we can decide to a you know a reader and listener can become all of a sudden an audiobook proofer but yeah. I also think that there should be a lot of learnings to kind of get to that place because there are skill sets and things that you're looking for as not only a company with, with um, you know, Blackstone, but even on the indie side, these mm -hmm. authors are hiring producers and audio proofers and even marketing folks 
And a lot of them may not have so many, you know, years working in here because being a listener is one thing and you can be listening for eons, but when Mm -hmm. you're starting to, and you've only been doing this for the past, what pandemic started, what, two and a half years ago (laughs) at this point. And then all of a sudden you're wanting to get into this industry. What, what is a a couple of things that you might recommend for someone that is a listener and wants to get into this industry as an official fill in the blank, audio proofer, producer, you know, all this fun stuff, casting. Yeah, no, that's such a good question. Really, I think the the biggest asset is patience (laughs) and understanding that the the audiobook industry or, you know, the community, while it is rather small in comparison to a lot of other industries, even, you know, in the voiceover world, we are small compared to a lot, like to the video game industry, um, that kind of thing. It's it's saturated right now and so taking the time to really find out what what assets you might bring to the table whether it's a keen ear for you know for proofing if you find yourself um picking up on those little tiny details that a proofer would focus on or perhaps understanding that you have a a skill set that can incorporate knowing what what might need to go into casting a specific book or um having a you know a background in uh like i i did stage management management for a long time and mm-hmm. so for like my skill set as a stage manager has um really crossed over to this because i'm able to multitask in a really sort of unique way um and so understanding that there's there are a lot of people who are all vying to be in this industry and knowing how to sort of market yourself with your best set of skill sets is really important and understanding that it's it's not something that can always be jumped into full time you know on the indie on more on the indie side than on you know working for a publisher but having an awareness that it's not going to be an overnight sort of transition, you know, um, ha- making sure that your expectations are realistic and reasonable and making connections with folks like you in the industry, or maybe it's narrator connections, or maybe you're connected with, you know, finding out how to get connected with people that do the post work for indie folks, um, the, the preppers, the proofers, the engineers all would go a really long way to finding out how somebody, how you might best fit in the industry. And then on the flip side, if there's an author that's looking to hire, because mm-hmm. again, we have all these fantastic companies out there and stuff like that. And we also have a lot of newbies that are wanting to grow and have done freelancing and have freelancers. What should authors look for when it comes down to someone that is wanting to do audio proof, proof, uh, proofing or you know, editing, engineering kind of sound or work or saying, Hey, I'm a producer. I've, or even if you work for another company, but that background skill sets, like what are some of those things that you're like, Ooh, look for these kind of things in this kind of, you know, skill set. Um, you know, on the post end, making sure, like if I, for authors specifically, making mm-hmm. sure that the people that, um, you're reaching out to, or, you know, pitching your your project to have a portfolio, making sure that those people can say, here are the projects that I've worked on. Um, I know that the post folks aren't necessarily getting the accolades that um, the narrators get on the front side of it. Maybe it's through the, have that be reviews or what have you, but making sure that there's an established uh, line of work that has proved 
to be successful, consistent, um, you know, making sure that those people that the people that an author might be reaching out to come with um, recommendations from not only narrators who have worked with them, but also perhaps, a, you know, if it's a proofer that an author is looking for, making sure that the proofer has worked with an engineer, has worked with a narrator, has worked, you know, with enough folks to understand how their piece of the puzzle fits in the larger mechanism. Being very clear about estimates on, you know, delivery time, on how long a project's going to take, make sh uh, making sure that, you know, any conversations about payment expectations are happening right at the front. And just making sure that at the end of the day, you know, an author wants somebody or a team of somebodies to understand that it's a partnership and it's a collaborative effort. And while the author may have bled and sweat and cried all over their manuscript in the course of writing it, um, they need to understand that there has to be a certain level of trust between what they're handing over and the narrator and to understand that micromanagement isn't always the best way to get uh, the best work out of anybody who is working on an audiobook project and um, just asking questions like how does your process work and what what questions do you need from me to answer at the beginning so it's making sure that it's all just um super collaborative rather than um i am hiring you and you have to do exactly what i say because an author might not have the intimate knowledge of the processes that an engineer that a narrator that a proofer um, or a prepper might have that's great it's great to have that in insight um because again the market right now is inundated with, you know, service providers, freelancers, and authors wanting to get their, their babies in audio <laughs> and, yeah. and having that knowledge of how to go about it uh, or who to hire to start that process mm -hmm. is invaluable. I know that a question has come up with, and then I think you're the perfect gal, gal to uh, answer it. What exactly is a producer? <laughs> what do they do? What does a producer do? do. You know, that's yeah. a really good question. <laughs> um, basically, it's as though I wear um, very, all, all of the different hats on all of the different heads. Um, so my job as a producer is to take the titles that are allocated to me and um, make sure that I am reading them, I am understanding their content, I am um i am liaising with the author to find out if they have any preference on their narrator from the beginning um rather than at, at the end after i've gathered samples and sent them and have the then sometimes the author will say oh actually could we get this person which happens from time to time um and then any any bits of information that come through about said project maybe um, in the recording process, there uh, there's a name pronunciation that needs to be fixed in post. So coordinating with um, any details with our post team, um, you know, we have a wonderful group of proofers and engineers here that have their own separate um, managers. And so I coordinate with um, the managers to get them the information that they may that might they might need to have about a project. Um, anything like I said, from pronunciations to um, oh, these you know the narrator ran into. Um, construction outside of their house so their files are going to be a little bit late just keep an eye out for them um troubleshooting any um 
you know, if I any sort of problems a narrator might have, be that, you know, a a malfunction um, in their home studio or struggles with the FDP, then I I, hand, I, I put them in the right hands um, of our um, of Blackstone's more tech, you know, side of things. Um, so basically, I'm just a director of information and a disseminator <laughs> that, of the information as well. Um, and if I'm doing my job right, it all runs really smoothly. And everybody at every step of the process has all of the information they need to do their job as best as possible. Um, with when I do freelance um, production, which I haven't done a ton of, but I've done a little bit of, um, an author will come to me and say, I would like this to be an audiobook, please. <laughs> and then I work them, I work with them through the whole process, um, you know, connecting them with uh, distribution outlets um, and the, the variety of places that they could distri uh, distribute their audio. Um, one author that I worked with wanted to read her own book and so I coordinated finding her a studio in her local area. I was the director on that. I was the proofer for that as well. Um, so it's sort of like in any given title for any given project there's going there are you know let's say 20 to 50 pieces of that. And my role as a producer is to just ensure that all of those pieces land where they're supposed to and the the hot potato is handed off to the next pro appropriate party. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Yeah. So in, from a corporate speak perspective, it's almost like project management. Yeah. That you're making sure that everybody's on time and things are being done and if there's any issues or concerns or questions you're the huckleberry exactly, <laughs> to, to yeah, exactly. yeah so if you know if the, if the if the project gets to the proofing team and all of a sudden there is a term that doesn't match the um the pronunciation guide or the pronunciation research that question comes to me and i either make a call about leaving it as is or i'll go to the author and say hey there's this name here that in recording it was said this way is that all right with you um or i sometimes have the bad luck of having to tell a narrator i'm so sorry but you're going to have 850 corrections for this name um <laughs> luckily that happens very very rarely <laughs> so um usually things run pretty smoothly and um we try to work far enough out so that there is um a little bit of buffer for um any flubs that might happen but um every book kind of has has its own timeline so keeping all of that just rolling along when it comes to the production of audiobooks a lot of conversations tends to be more open in providing those behind the scenes through the looking glass it, when it comes down to the indie side of things uh, a lot of the authors produce their own books and so they're talking about that process we're still learning a lot when it comes down to the publishing houses slash you know big producers like blackstone is technically both they publish and they produce um and there's also a lot of misconception of like oh well, if i if i work with fill in the blank tantor pub you know blackstones uh, any of the other ones i lose all creativity control and things like that mm -hmm. so when an author either how does that work does the does blackstone uh, approach the author does the author approach blackstone what does that process look like so we have a whole team of acquisition agents that um and we buy our the sub rights to the audio from any manner of folks so um sometimes we're getting titles from the big five that they aren't 
necessarily producing in their yearly um, lineup. So those rights go to auction and our acquisition editors bid on those. Um, we also work with authors agents. When an author is represented, we'll do, sometimes an author will hold on to the sub rights. So say their book gets picked up by a publisher, but they'll hold on to the sub rights for the audio. So then we work directly either with the author or with the author's agents to secure those rights. Once the rights are secured through any of those various facets, um, they get into our production lineup. And from our production lineup, I decide which of our casting directors is going to work on any given project. We kind of work month in monthly chunks. So like right now I am working on my um, titles that are going to pub in, in October. So um, we work about, you know, six to four months out from the pub date. When it comes time to actually work on a specific title, I look and see who my contact is going to be, whether that be somebody at the print publisher house, or maybe that's the author's agent, maybe it's the author directly. And sometimes, you know, maybe there's a handful of books a month that don't require the author or a state's approval over the narrator, in which case I can just read the book and cast whoever I'd like, which is always really delightful and fun for me. Um, if narrator approval is required, I will read the book and then I get samples from a handful of narrators that I think would do a lovely job with it. Those samples then go to the author, the estate, whomever for approval. And we have a window of like five to 10 business days for them to say yes to so-and-so or, you know, no, we don't really like any of these voices. Can you get new samples? Luckily, the latter doesn't happen too frequently. <laughs> but, and then sometimes, you know, if I'm working on like a short story collection, rather than getting samples, for all of the short for all of the people that I would like to work on the collection, I'll simply write up a, ca a proposed cast list and link to those folks either um, their narration pages or their body of work on Audible for the and then I send that off as like a spreadsheet for the um, author to listen to and review. So it's like you know title the story and then the narrator I think should read it um, kind of just an Excel sheet. Um, and then once a narrator is selected, I try to be as hands-on as anybody wants me to be. And I try to be as hands-off as anybody wants me to be. So if a narrator is cast for a project and they are uncertain about a direction to go in a particular scene or with a particular character, they might send me a list of questions or we might jump on a Zoom to sort of like parse out the text together. But um, by and large, I really do try to trust our narrators to do their work. You know, that's that's part of the joy of their work is getting to interpret these texts and their stories. Um, the only real bit of super micromanagement that we do is we generally, like 90% of the time, provide word lists, which have been vetted by um, either the author or they have come, um, it's pronunciation guides from um, vetted researchers um who have source links for every sort of name you could come across um in titles that are that have a lot of the author's own imaginings in the text so that's you know fantasy sci-fi usually mm -hmm. um you get all those really interesting names and maybe there's um a particular way that an author imagined their fantasy character sounding so um you know maybe it's from a 
you know, maybe a character is from a made up land, but the author wants them to sound French or whatever it is. Um, if it's not immediately clear, made clear in the text, um, I'll try to get that sort of information from the author just to make sure that we're representing their characters as authentically as they would like. Um, so at that point, once I've handed over the final manuscript and the word list, I try to be really hands off because um, I know the the caliber of the people that we are hiring and I know that they're I know and trust that they're going to do their due diligence in um, ensuring that they're going to provide us with the best quality storytelling they can. So um, there is a lot of room for creativity. Um, the only things that we really ask is make sure you read all of the words in the right order and stick to the pronunciation guides that we've um, uh, provided. And even in that, there is some room for, hey, I've seen this name um, come up before. I've never seen this pronunciation. Um, I'd like to go with X instead of Y. Is that okay? And then we have a conversation about it. So um, I try not to micromanage unless somebody asks me to, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Well, I mean, sometimes you don't know what you don't know and you might need some of that micromanaging or just, you know, handholding, guidance, you know, general. There's yeah. so many different hats yeah. <laughs> that this kind of ha and it needs to happen. And and I think it's it's good to, have, you know, to be able to have someone to go to with these concerns and questions. A lot of times um, we hear how production companies may not allow hmm. the the narrator to speak to the author it's like a no and and a lot of people are like well why <laughs> uh, well we do yeah. have that we do have that rule in place here at blackstone um i i am usually the conduit the narrator sends mm -hmm. me questions i send them to the author i mean there are instances where i'm not even talking to the author i'm talking to the author's agent you know mm -hmm. um so you know we keep we keep that sort of separation in place just to protect everybody. Mm -hmm. um, that way, you know, if a narrator were to reach out to an author directly, that might open a whole can of worms where the author suddenly wants to become a director with no oversight or input from us on our side. So we we have that rule in place largely to protect um, our narrator and our author from having an interaction that might become problematic in some capacity. Mm -hmm. um, that said, there are absolutely times when an author says, I would really love to speak with the narrator before they start, or a narrator says, if it's appropriate, I'd love to get in touch with the author. And um, if that's the case, I usually will put everybody on an email chain and just say, hey, keep me in CC, or I'll get everybody on a Zoom call and I'll be there um, just sort of as a representative of um, the governing body, as it were. <laughs> um, so it really is not because there isn't a lack, there, there is a lack of trust or mm -hmm. something like that. It's really just to make sure that everybody, that all communication is being kept as professional, concise, clear um, as possible. Yeah. And that's, and, and a lot of times it's looked at like, that's why I kind of asked it that way. I was like, well, why? Like there's this nefarious reason yeah. behind it, you know, ha ha, it will insert evil left. And really it isn't. There's a, there's a lot of valid points when, uh, when it comes down to producing a book and having, but it's the same thing. Like if you have a graphic artist and mm -hmm. it's the same thing when it comes down to 
your doctor there are certain things in line that are set to almost like a protocol that are meant to protect everybody including the patient the the author and the narrator and, and everybody else and sometimes one may not know that something is in play and exactly could be said that it's like and then the author's like what do you mean we're not doing that and like no 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 the uh, yeah. narrator doesn't do that it's because we have other folks doing this and they're like oh and then like exactly. now you need to have a drink and you're going i could have not need to worry about this <laughs> exactly exactly i think gosh it was many ugh, five, uh, more than five years ago we had an instance where an author wanted to get in touch with the narrator and we had that happen and then the author sort of um wanted to review every chapter that the mm-hmm. narrator was reading they wanted to all of a sudden they needed to be the and and it was um no i don't like this line no i don't like and it just became um an unreasonable an untenable um situation for both us and the narrator um so yeah we have we have that separation of mm-hmm. church and state as it yeah. were um, <laughs> just to keep everybody um safe and feeling like they can um, uh, speak up for themselves and advocate for themselves when um, when appropriate. And as a pro- another piece of being a producer is being an advocate for either the author or the narrator or Blackstone in any piece of it. You know, being an advocate for the the person that needs it or the you know um, is a big piece of it. And I can't really do that if i'm not part of the conversation you know yeah so. yeah absolutely and and this is and just being able to have those conversations in a safe like you were saying where i you know if i were the author i can say so i really do love that narrator but how they're doing that accent no 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 <laughs> and yeah. you know exactly it, it can come yeah. across differently if i go straight to them versus jesse can you just please take care of it <laughs> exactly exactly and you know like when i when I send samples, um, you know, we're just sending three to five minutes of, you know, from from some piece of the book and a narrator isn't getting a whole, getting the whole story here. And so an author can say to me, has has said to me, I love so-and-so, but I don't know why they chose to do that ex- accent for that character. Yep. And instead of them going straight to the narrator and saying that, I can say, oh, this is just for audition purposes. If you have any character notes, please send them my way. And I'm happy to make sure, you know, all of our narrators are able to take notes and able to make changes. And so I'm happy to get any information that you'd like to, sh- so I can just you know smooth it all over and make everybody yeah. really confident <laughs> about the process. Yeah, I like calling that I'm HRing it. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but it, it it's truly, there's a fine line and I know how it is in just normal day-to-day life when you get that text message. And if I'm reading it and I'm in a bad mood or I'm in a funk, yeah. that, that girl can sound totally different right or anything yeah. could can the emotions are in, you know instilled in that so i can only imagine if an author who this is their baby this is their yeah. pride and joy they've been working on this thing for years yeah you know all of a sudden it gets handed off and a choice of potential accents was and you're going no <laughs> yeah yeah exactly it's like no so yeah it's good to have so now we know that authors can recommend or, or request xyz narrator for their title and if they're available and if you as a producer think that it's a right fit yeah you guys can go ahead and and look into having them audition or asking if they have availability 
exactly and you yeah. know when we get, when we get those subrights um if an if an if an if our acquisition agent is working with an author and an author you know really really wants so and so to read their book we absolutely make all best efforts so long as it's appropriate for the book i mean i at one point in history, I had a situation where an author had written this really beautiful middle grade book about, it was written in the first person uh, from this 12 year old girl's perspective. And the author wanted this older male voice narrator, this older male narrator for it. And I was just like, I really understand why you'd want that person. They're wonderful. They tell great stories. However, I'm not sure if it serves your book the best having that voice portray this young female character. And um, once I sort of laid it out in those terms, the author was like, oh my God, of course. And so have, being able to have those conversations and um, helps an author understand not only our processes, but sort of like industry standards that are expected. And usually authors are very amenable and, um, happy like happily take the suggestions that i offer and um it's usually a really smooth process and um it, yeah wonderfully collaborative and i love it when an author says oh i love so and so do you work with them could you get them and i'm like of course yeah no i'm i'm facebook friends with them of course let me see if, <laughs> let me see if they're available and interested so yeah. um, it usually works out pretty well <laughs> well casting is so important and i and i think that their authors are now truly realizing how important that casting is. It's not just anymore whoever's available or who the popular narrators are or the almost like the thought process is if we get a insert popular narrator right now, it will mm -hmm. make money just because it's their name on it and they're the narrator. And yes, that's part of a gamut and a, a risk that you're taking mm -hmm. because it's never a guarantee because nothing in life except for death and taxes is a guarantee Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> but they also may not be the right fit so they are an excellent narrator they are the creme de la creme when it comes down to this you know genre and things like that but if that's not the right fit it's it's not going to do well exactly and you know you could get the highest falutin narrator you know of them all and if it's not an appropriate choice for the book we might there might be sales there might be sales of the book but there might be terrible reviews which oh, yeah. you know like which doesn't serve anybody any any good so um yeah having an author understand um and really it's it's delightful it is it is my favorite day when i send an author samples and they say oh no i trust you you pick because mm -hmm. i i like to think i know what i'm doing most of the time <laughs> just a little bit just, you know like i might have some insights here and there when they put that trust in us it's really um it's really lovely and i um it's deeply appreciated that they are saying no this is you know, this is my baby, but you are the expert here and mm -hmm. I trust your expertise. So, yeah. um, yeah, that's always a good feeling. <laughs> it, it is. It's a, I, I can attest to that personally. It's a fantastic feeling when you're able to say, Hey, here's a list of my thoughts on who would be good for your title. And, uh, and then they do cast it. And then I get that email or that sound clip with their going school. You know, like yeah. this is fantastic. And I'm like, yeah, baby. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 But then it also comes with years of listening to audiobooks and years of experience working in it, you know, for you working with Blackstone and listening to books and understanding it. We have a lot of listeners who are 
raving about a lot of the narrators and the authors pay attention. I think the yeah. authors, and it's a good thing to pay attention to see who are the quote unquote popular at the, at the moments, narrators and voiceover actors. But it's also important for these same exact authors to keep in mind that these are fans that yeah. are loving what the final product of the book might be, whether it's a tone in the voice of the character, if it's how one of the, the, the how the heroine female narrator says a specific thing or their accent work, it doesn't mm -hmm. mean that they're going to be a good fit for another book. Exactly. Yeah. And understanding, like, it, I had somebody ask me at some point, um, like, sort of my process for casting. Mm -hmm. yeah. And when I explained it, they were like, oh, well, that sounds a lot like how, as a narrator, I break down my script. And I was like, well, it's, I mean, it's basically the same thing because I am looking for the same things that a narrator is looking for when they're prepping their script, when I am prepping to cast, because, you know, you need to be specific. You need to understand who can, you know, if it's a, you know, a middle grade fantasy, you need to understand who's going to be able to have the the right tonality for those youth more youthful characters but with the sensibility to carry a an emotional storyline plus be engaging for that sort of audience plus 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 and so i it's a pretty deep dive into each book and um being as considerate as anybody can be with an author's baby you know, is it really goes a long way to making an author feel comfortable with mm -hmm. the decisions that um, we make about their books. I've had it sometimes uh, authors say, hey, I want, for example, Sebastian York for a book. And I'm like, that's great. But why? Like, what is it about his performance? What is it about his tone of voice? His, you know, right. how he says things that you believe might be a good fit for your character. Mm -hmm. And, and some of them are spot on the, the, they have that exact same quality that when you think of Sebastian York, mm -hmm. it does it. And then I read the script and I'm going, listen, I know he going to sound really good saying some of these things, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> the character is 20. <laughs> yeah. Sebastian York does not have that younger. Now I had friends in my high school and in my twenties that had that deeper baritone lower you know register yeah. kind of a voice but sometimes it's just not all of them are like that and that right. yeah wanting to have it or there there's a couple of accents that the narrator that they want to have use or is does not perform these accents and a lot of the narrators are like quite open about <laughs> their <Yeah>. love <laughs> and they're not so much in love accent work that they have to do so yeah, I think yeah. I think it's reading that the the script and finding that character, and I love that you actually shared that. That's actually a very similar process that the narrators have because that's one of the things we've talked about when we've when we spoken to narrators here. What does that process look like? And I was going to ask you that too, as you know, so prepping the script. So you're making the same kind of notes, whether there's accent work, if the there's specific types of speech patterns, and all this fun stuff, right? Yeah, it's um, probably not not quite as nuanced as a narrator would but when i'm when i'm breaking down a script i'm looking for um the number of different characters that have um dialogue or if there are various points of view that's something to consider um one thing that i am preoccupied with in a very good way i think is um ensuring that i'm casting books authentically so 
whether that means that maybe the protagonist of a given book is um, in the alphabet mafia in the LGBTQIA community, um, maybe that person comes from a family, um, you know, it's first generation immigrants, or maybe they are a person of color or an indigenous person, um, a non-binary person, a trans person, whatever the identity is of the central character. Um, I I try my darndest to make sure that I am um, reaching out to um, and casting narrators that fall into that category. Um, because while I never want to pigeonhole anybody, it's also very important to have the, uh, the character and the author's um, intention represented in a really authentic manner. And I think the only way to really get that is by casting a person with as close a, an experience as possible. Um, so that's something that I really preoccupy myself with um, when I'm breaking down a script is making sure that there's that representation. Um, and also then, um, okay, what, what tone is needed here? Is it a younger tone? Is it a more youthful tone? Is it young, young? Is it like teens? Is it um, you know, preteens, is the, is this a retrospective? So while it's a coming of age story, the, the, the narrator is actually in their eighties talking and, and, and what sort of, you know, vocal tone range am I looking for, for that? Um, so, and then, you know, there's the language is, you know, language considerations. Is there, there are a lot of foreign language stuff. Is there, you know, can can the people that I'm reaching out to handle, you know, Spanish dialogue that goes back and forth for a page and a half? Can, um, you know, can somebody handle the Korean terms and phrases that show up in this book? So it's it's considering the minutia of the book um, and how how I can find somebody that can best translate that. So while I don't really go through and, you know, I don't highlight dialogue, I'm not looking for, um, I'm, I'm not considering how somebody might interpret a character's speech patterns. I'm looking for somebody who can interpret the character. And then I leave how they talk up to them, at the, the narrator. So it's, it's, uh, the di it's different and the same. <laughs> No, absolutely. It definitely makes, I can see how that varies uh, at the same time. It's like, yup, there's <laughs> going to be a lot of notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You were bringing up about authentic voices and this is a very important conversation piece and topic in the industry, not only from an author's perspective and as well as the narrators, but also the listeners and the readers. But it's also a conversation of how, how do we know? A lot of the times, I mean, up until recently, a lot of the narrators, no one knew what they looked like mm -hmm. until they, they came out. Some of them are still very much, you know, behind the, the, the curtain and we'd have no idea who they are unless they've said something. And even then, just because you were born in Cuba doesn't make you a specific right person of color. If, if, if from that perspective, you can be, I mean, a lot of, because we move so much nowadays, you know, right. years, eons ago, it was, you know, traditional that if you were from Swedish, you know, you were like blonde, this and that, not, not anymore, because there's so much traveling happening, which is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, and diversity is important. But a lot of this stuff, the conversation has become like, how do we know? I mean, like it's in, in many cases, it's not HR appropriate <laughs> to right. find out certain right. things about it because it could be used against them. And again, corporate world speak kind of like our mentality, I think is used to that whole nine to five thought process mm -hmm. of, of HR. So how does 
how does one do their best um, and not put their foot in their mouth or shit? <laughs> um, well, I have run the risk of putting my foot in my mouth several times, and luckily everybody's been very gracious about it. Um, okay. So there are a lot of sources right now for mm -hmm. casting directors to look at um narrators who have offered information about themselves um just they've put it out into the world because they understand that having more information about who they are helps us cast more authentically and regardless of so say i get a ya rom-com and it's about two gay characters um they're and they're just they're both just white and queer you know lesbian characters or whatever it is um there is realistically no way that an, a listener might be able to tell the difference between a straight narrator and a queer narrator reading that book however i think that if i reach out to a narrator who i know the sexual um identity of or the sexual preference of they're going to bring an element of realism to that to their narration simply because they have a lived experience that a straight mm -hmm. narrator won't um i i never ask um i try not to ever ask <laughs> hey are you from here because that is wildly inappropriate but yeah. <laughs> i might say i have a book that's set in this location is that something you're comfortable representing um and that's a simple yes or no they don't have to give me any more information or i and i always say and please tell me to screw off if you don't want to answer like and so i i try to be as open and clear and gracious as i can when looking for a minority narrator to cast for a specific reason um and i i think it's also just as a practice um important to be aware of the of the minority folks because traditionally those people don't have there isn't as much written in those genres in those spheres so the work that's being offered isn't as prolific as the you know white suburban thriller type you know so there's endless amounts of those but there's not necessarily an endless amount of suburban thrillers that are have a black protagonist um so making sure that i am representing through the casting the author's intention as best as i can um goes a long way and there are you know numerous narrators who in their you know their cold call emails say to me um, here's some interesting things about me. Um, I am Jewish and I am bisexual and I, my parents are first generation American or my, I'm, I'm a first generation American. Um, so, and, and my parents are from wherever, you know? And so I think that there is an understanding that none of that information is mandatory to share by any stretch of the imagination. It is not mandatory at all, but I think that people understand that it is helpful and if they are comfortable with sharing these identities that they might carry that are not outwardly apparent um it helps us do a better job um and it helps them work in a work on a project that they might not have been thought for thought of for unless there was 
their these identities that they um, carry also known. Mm -hmm. um, I hope that answers the question. No, it does. It does. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. Yeah, it, it really does because again, people's privacy, people's right. preferences. Um, there's also like you were you kind of mentioned the whole thing about being typecast mm -hmm. or um patient held or caricaturized in a particular you know, like some people I always kind of use the example of there's these two narrators that are from one is from Ireland and one is from uh England and the reviews have in, individually on their own said their accents, for an example, was so not Irish or so not right. British. It was so <laughs> fake. It didn't, and I'm laughing because I know the two individuals and they are from their respective, you know, countries. Um, but they also don't ever want to just play the British guy. They don't ever right. want to play the Irish woman or so, so on and so forth. Um, and so that's the same thing, I think, when it comes down to any kind of ethnicity or any kind of thing. But representation is important. Mm -hmm. um, and I know a lot of authors there's been situations where casting may not have been as authentic as it could have been. But the question is like, they, they've asked me like, Viv, how the hell am I supposed to know? You know, I can't ask them. I shouldn't have to, you know, that's not my, that's not my business. <laughs> yeah. You know? And I'm like, well, it's okay. Well, why don't we do a casting call? And then like kind of yeah. how you said, and they're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's whenever, whenever it is appropriate, mm -hmm. um, I, I've worked on a few books where the, you know, the three main characters have all been, um, like I said, part of the Alphabet Mafia. And um, I have asked the narrators who I knew were part of that community, I've asked them, is it okay with you if I share with the author that you are part of this community? Um, and they, those in this instance, the three women said, yes, of course, um, because they are not, you know, they are out publicly, et cetera, et cetera. And, being able to go to the author and say here are my proposed narrators for this and i want you and also just so you know all of these women are within the queer community um, and i think they do a lovely job representing these characters um it's it goes a long way and it 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 i think that having the conversation um you know m makes it even you know it, it it brings to light even the fact that the way out of being pigeonholed is by <laughs> by understanding that you all pro will probably be cast for whatever sort of identity you identify with mm -hmm. for those books but being mindful of the fact that you can get work in any genre just by saying i'd also be loved to i'd love to be considered for xyz outside these identities um and i really like i really do try to take that in consideration um there is so much space for anybody of any sort to read fantasy to read sci-fi to read those thrillers where it doesn't really matter what sort of identity the protagonist has so long as the story is being told compellingly um so mm, diversity for all all of the things and appropriate inclusion um wherever possible is the, is the goal that I, I strive for. And it's, and it's a difficult conversation, but it's an important one. Yeah. And, and I'm always very grateful with when there is companies out there like Blackstone and individuals working for companies that are knowing that how important this is mm -hmm. and that it's, it's, it's being validated and that they're doing their darndest to ensure 
that these uh the authentic voices are are heard and and as also someone for example on myself that am first generation american that mm-hmm. it's being looked at and appropriate and not stereotype where everyone's always mexican right, right. <laughs> with the yeah. kind of accent that i'm like no <laughs> yeah yeah and you know it's i i am a white lady and i am certain that i if i have not already i am bound to at some put, point put my foot in my mouth when it comes to this sort of when to these sort of conversations and that's just a learning opportunity for me for somebody mm-hmm. if somebody comes to me and says jesse you can't just say that you mm-hmm. idiot uh, it gives me an opportunity to be like oh fuck so sorry i will do better next time you know mm-hmm. and there there is no shame in making mistakes um and i think that if if the stumbling block is that I make a mistake or I misspeak at some point, it's all still to the betterment of making sure that the diversity that we have in literature is being shown regardless mm-hmm. of me making an idiot move at some point. <laughs> but the other thing too, and I think you bring a very valid point is A, we're all human, regardless yeah. <laughs> of anything, we're human and we're bound everybody is bound to make a mistake whether it's being born in 1980 where things were certain things or older boomers um and saying things <laughs> that may not be that were fine and quote-unquote perfectly appropriate back in the day but you know things change we all yeah. develop we learn but the importance of having the conversation and having the dialogue i think right now we live in a culture where the moment that you put your foot in your mouth step on shit or anything like that everyone wants to just automatically cancel you yeah and and it's like no hold on a minute let's talk about this what what happened almost like a stop start and continue um okay let's uh, let's look at what the situation is how can we improve it how can we better how can we learn from it and then continue to learn and improve it now if you keep doing the same shit bad over and over and over again that's a different conversation right that deserves canceling and even then we have to look at it but folks make mistakes and authors want to cast the book to the best of their ability and some information may not be made to them. Others don't have the, 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 the ways to find the information. Uh, uh, narrators may not want to, to share some of this stuff and that's perfectly okay. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So it's important that uh, before we try to cancel folks or put them on the bad behaving list, let's have this conversation. Let's have, okay, why wasn't a voice selected? How can we go about better to finding this stuff out? Which is also why these conversations on the podcast are so important because now yeah. hopefully someone can stop and say, okay, bad author. <laughs> <laughs> and they're the author saying, come on, you should, you know, now they know, now they know to ask. And also having the authors uh, reach out to, to those of us in the industry, myself included, I've had folks mm-hmm. say, Hey, I'm looking for an XYZ that fits under a minority umbrella. Do we know anyone? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's, it's great because because this industry is so oh gosh what's the right word um there's there is a distinct lack of gatekeeping <laughs> um mm-hmm. you know and so i can if i have a book that's really stumping me because of the like because of the specific casting needs i have a circle of producers that i can turn to and be like hey does anybody i'm working on this i need an xyz that falls into an abc category does anybody know you know, um, what, you know, what I can do here, um, or have any suggestions for me. And um, it's, it's really wonderful to be able to have that and feel supported and feel like um, everybody is working towards the same ends in that we're all trying to just put our best foot forward Mm -hmm. and put the best 
person and pair the best person possible with the book itself. Yeah, the word gatekeeping, I think it's uh, important there too, in the sense that unfortunately, sometimes there is gatekeeping that sure. occurs. Um, yeah. I also, but I also say, I go, if you find yourself being gatekept, um, you may want to remove yourself from that circle <laughs> right? <laughs> and, uh, and find other and better places where you can be part of the community where there isn't a gatekeeping happening yeah. and also just casting your net a lot wider than what you may be doing right now to ask yeah. this question. So it's important. Uh, moving a little bit as far as this, all this stuff was producing, directing is also different. And what does that entail when, when you're sitting in the director's role? Um, directing is so fun. It's, um, it's a, it's really sort of the chance I get to have my fingers in the, the actual final product of a book. And, um, usually when I've directed, it's, um, an author that I'm directing or a, uh, there've been a, like a few celebrities that I've directed and, um, it's, with those it's a little bit it's a little bit different than working with like a professional narrator on on a specific piece of like a book but with an author a lot of it's going to be reminding them to slow down <laughs> reminding them that not that they they need to if they need to put on their storytelling hat and um sort of there's been a few times where i've worked on memoirs and it's been very emotional and so trying to just sort of help an author get through a particularly emotional piece of a book, um, whether that be, okay, well, let's, let's take a break and come back to it. Or um, the handful of times that I've worked with a celebrity, it's, I've been fairly hands-off in those because we're hiring these people for their insane talents skill set, And so they don't necessarily need much direction. And so in those cases, I am there, I've read the whole book, I've broken it down. I, um, I have my thoughts about how a storyline, how a storyline should sound, how a certain scene I think should flow, but I'm also open to their interpretation. And so long as their interpretation is aligned with what is in the text itself, um, I just sort of let them run with it and I catch misreads, mispronunciations, that kind of stuff. Um, when I'm working on a, you know, on a fiction piece with a professional narrator. Um, it's, I'm just sort of there more or less to bounce ideas off of, or um, like in, you know, the coaching sessions that I do, um, we're working on a short piece, maybe it's, maybe it's five minutes long, but being able to hear and parse out what what the author's sort of intention is for the flow of that scene and helping a narrator highlight different pieces of it or an aspect of it that perhaps they didn't consider um, or a way the text connects um, in a way that isn't thought of before. So directing is really, the, uh, uh, from a technical side, it is sitting there making sure that all of the words are set in the right order and with the right emphasis and all of that. It's it's the pre-QC-QC person. Um, but when I get, when I really have the joy of sort of digging into something um, with a narrator who already has a technical skill set, it's just getting to play with the text and getting to play with interpretation and flow and um, maybe 
introducing ideas to kind of level up a specific piece of it, um, which is really, really fun and really gratifying. And, you know, when I when I when I work with folks and I offer a, a, a thought when I say, well, that's that's that was lovely. Have you considered this? Try it just for the sake of argument, try it like this. And all of a sudden things kind of like it's like that deck of cards shuffles to a, like a perfect rectangle um, and it just it everything comes together and coalesces. It's really gratifying. Um, so it's it's a it's a different process obviously than producing because it's not it's not project management it's like minutia caretaking <laughs> um, which is it's really fun and um it's it's work that you know you have to be focused for 100 percent of the time and you have to have a keen understanding of the book and where a protagonist is within their journey how a certain scene fits within the larger story um and how it presents and having having a keen ear for how things are presenting orally so that a narrator who is trying to live in the moment with this piece of text has another set of ears on it hearing them in real time being able to say that's not really working let's try this um so uh i i think i think that answers your question yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know it does but I, again it's when we hear these terms um we're trying to figure out exactly what it is that they you know y'all do as yeah. this or that and sometimes like i know of directors when it comes down to working in theater and, and being in plays as a, as a kid and, and what does that look like? And then mm -hmm. technical director when there's other things, and, and, you know, stuff like that. And it's just one of those like audience are going, well, okay, well, what do you do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also these are things that I'm like, I really wish that when I was in high school, I would have uh, someone told to tell me that, Hey, you could do this stuff in this industry, whether it's a producer and, and for, for books, um, mm -hmm. What does the director, audio proofing, all this fun, heck, photographer for the book covers, that would have been fun. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, you know, in high school, like, I, I knew about audiobooks. I I was aware that they yeah. were a thing in the world. I might have listened, I think I listened to, like, The Horse Whisperer or something, mm -hmm. um, way, way, way back in the day. But even... And I, I, I have, I was in theater and all of that in high school and college, but I never... Um, I was always like on the tech side I was never yeah. on stage except for like tiny little bit parts here and there um which is definitely my speed and had I known about audiobooks as an industry mm -hmm. and not only just the narration side of it but known the production side of it mm -hmm. I probably would have joined the 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 audiobook world a little bit sooner if there had Heck been yeah you know if that had been a um a piece of the performance industry that was talked about um and i think that um you know like when i talk to my kiddo um who's she just turned 13 um and she tells her friends what i do they're all like oh my god we listen to audiobooks all the time that's so cool mm -hmm. does she know these narrators <laughs> so there's this whole up and coming generation that audiobooks have been part of their lives for the entire you know their entire life so and there, it's it's it feels like there's more there are more entry points now uh than there were 15 years ago even um so yeah it's it's interesting 
Yeah. I mean, as a planner myself <laughs> and as a, the girl that always did project management at the day job, I was like, damn it. I could have been doing this, but I'm very glad and fortunate that I am able to do this now. And that, uh, we have been able to open up some of those more pinpoints and allow people to know that, Hey, this is an option. I've done yeah. a couple of, of, uh, career conversations in some of the local high schools and the 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 look I get when they're like wait a minute I could get yeah. paid to do <laughs> that's this? a real job you can do yeah and I go not only get paid but make a living yeah <laughs> it's good it's it good. is good it is good that's it's a good time to live in and not like you don't already do a lot in these two roles. Plus, I'm sure everything else that kind of comes along with it. You've also started um, offering coaching. I have. Yeah. I last month I kind of I decided, you know what, I coach like I love coaching because it's um, it's I offer hour long sessions and it's just a really wonderful way to not only like connect with somebody one on one, because usually, you know, I've done the Dion Masterclass. I've done, um, I worked with Leonardo, Leonardo audio, um, I was a guest spot on one of their, um, things this year. And, um, it's those group things are so wonderful. And I love, you know, just watching the, the chat go off with all of the love and all of the feedback and all of that goodness. But it's so fast that like, I can barely, I barely, I feel like I barely give anybody four thoughts before I'm like, okay, who are you now? What's going on? Okay. New thing. <laughs> All right. So offering coaching um, is has been really, really gratifying for me because I get to do these, you know, little bit of a deeper dive into somebody in particular and working with somebody on, you know, maybe it's their demos on their website. Maybe it's they've got an audition coming up and they want um, some work, some work on the audition. Maybe they have a book coming up and they just want to get some a little bit of direction before they really dive in. And I'm able to work this piece of my brain that I don't get to do on a daily basis um, at Blackstone. So it's been um, so wonderful. You know, I, aside from a stupid Calendly fuck up, which was rather embarrassing. <laughs> but, um, hey, I did one of those too. I was like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's been, um, it's been super, super wonderful. And just, um, I, I used May as sort of a barometer for how much work I thought I could take on, on top of my regular Blackstone duties. And um, I thought by the end of the month, I was just going to be burnt out and fried, but I, I just found myself being so uplifted and so um, invigorated by these one-on-ones that it just, um, I'm excited to keep doing it. So if you want a session, feel free to reach on out. <laughs> <laughs> well, so what kind of, so again, because of this industry and how so many pinpoints and stuff like that, what if someone is interested and say, oh my God, I love listening to her on the podcast. She has so much information. I would love to get coaching, but I don't know for what, like what kind of, what specific, do you have specific niches? Do you have specific, you know, uh, so for coaching? I, I sort of, I want, I, I want to say that my focus is more performance coaching. Um, that said, um, I am happy to look, um, so I kind of, it's kind of fallen into a few categories. So I've done performance coaching, a website review and then sort of a general ask me anything um and i i have to be pretty clear in my coaching sessions that like working with me as a coach does not mean anything with getting work with blackstone i have to kind of keep those yeah. two things very clearly separate but i um 
I have a, a fair amount of knowledge just in my brain. So if people, you know, wanted to take an hour of my time and just say, I am just starting, what do you think I should be doing here? Um, I'm happy to chat about that. However, I think that there are people, narrators in the industry, other coaches in the industry that come from the narration side who can offer a far more comprehensive look at a business approach to them to a new narrator on the business side um you know at what point um to start reaching out to um, publishers at what point to do xyz and um while i have some information about that i think working with somebody who has gone through that process and um has connections that they have established that they could introduce more as a mentor situation or you know as a a coach situation is more beneficial um for on on the business side but i am more than happy to work on performance and to work on um what sort of things really really help a website and demos shine and um how to you know maybe how to uh nail an audition so it's more performance based um than like business track based or um to that end uh tech based um so i i do not have the how to build a home studio knowledge <laughs> in my brain i am not the person to ask for that because i will say i don't go buy a studio bricks like that's, that's literally <laughs> the only line that i could offer because i um it's just not um in the knowledge base that i have mm -hmm. and there are other people in the industry who are insanely knowledgeable about that side and so i just don't want to take up space um in a piece of the pie that i don't have expertise in no, yeah, and it's and it's great too because it, there are we all have our own skill sets and we have different knowledges and also we don't know sometimes what is being offered. So the fact that you provide some of that website, which by the way, narrators, you need to have at least a basic landing page website where you have your contact information so yep. people can find you to cast you or ask you to audition for things or I don't know, yep. be on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, having a reliable way to get in touch other yeah. than social medias is um, important. That said, I am like the best way to get a hold of me is on social media right now because I don't have a website or anything set up. So um, do as I say, not, not as, as I, I do. do. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but that's also this has also been a very luck of some sorts where people are like, oh, yeah, I'm easy to find on social media. Just hit me up. And then they go on like a social media hiatus yeah. and you're going exactly. really folks are, or things get buried or, you know, they get um, inappropriate and they're like, I'm taking a break. I'm like, but, 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 but I, I but mm. we, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's great too. And, uh, and I love that whole, like a bit, like ask me anything is yeah. a, a good little, like, okay, where, where do you want, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, like I, I am a pretty open book and, um, I, I will answer basically any question I can answer. Um, you know, be that a personal, like, what is your personal experience with X, Y, Z? Um, and I, I will, you know, I'm, I'm not really afraid of being like, you know what, I'm not comfortable answering that. Sorry. Um, but then again, nobody has ever answered, asked me something that I've had to answer with that response. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I think that most of the, um, the information that lives in my brain is helpful. And, um, I, I don't always know like how to, how to get it out into the world other than like situations like this. So, um, working with people one-on-one -on -one where they can they also feel comfortable just um you know being 
on Zoom in this sort of dynamic where they're like, okay, this is really stupid and I'm going to be so embarrassed to ask, but how do I do this thing? You know, it gives people an opportunity to sort of be a little bit more vulnerable and ask yes. questions that maybe they're not comfortable asking in one of the many audiobook groups that exist on social media, or maybe they you know the people that they've worked with haven't been on the production side and so they don't they just don't know um so i'm happy to yeah, yeah. it's the it's a, ask me anything and asterisk i i won't answer things that i'm not comfortable with. yes <laughs> well and, and that's fair also too sometimes as much as you are a wealth of knowledge you you know you previously mentioned you don't know about creating a, a studio but you can right. refer someone to someone exactly. based on, you know and which yeah. is always a good thing i've always said that i may not know what the heck you're talking about but option a give me a couple of minutes and i'll figure it out and become a subject matter expert on the matter or exactly. i will be I will, or i will find you someone that already is and yeah. here's the information yeah. <laughs> yeah you know i've you can't do it all people <laughs> that i've worked with have said um you know i'm i'm just starting out um, who should I be working with? What yeah. coaches should I be working with? And then I can say, well, what is it that you want to level up? And you want to level up this, go to these people. You want to level up this, go to these people. You want just a well-rounded from front to end sort of person to guide you, go to these people. And um, even having that um, sort of directorial, yes, um, like helping people, like just put them, putting them on the right path is sometimes one of the mm -hmm. best helps I get. Oh, absolutely. Because a lot of folks, and I know that uh, narrators get the, the question, so how do I become a narrator? <laughs> and a lot of times the, the narrator is like, oh, not this again. But yeah, the, and then you kind of, and I've done it too. I mean, at the same time, there is a wealth of knowledge. If you go to www.google.com um, <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, Google is your friend. And I think the expectation is that you do a little bit of that legwork. But yeah. I also do recognize there is a heck of a lot of information out there yeah. and not all of it is accurate and not all of it is uh, uh, factual. And uh, but also you may not know that that's not the path. Right. right. So right. having someone like you that you can say, hey, we you know, like, for example, that coaching, like, what is it that you want to level up? What is yeah, it about this exactly. that you want to work on is a, such a remarkable guide to have yeah. and, and resource to have. So thank you for offering this as uh, an opportunity for folks to be able to spend the time and and um, and ensure that they have that person to at least have that conversation with. Yeah, and it's maybe. it sort of helped me um, in to that point, it's helped me sort of protect my own sanity a little bit because I have a whole world of people outside of the audiobook community that asked me, Jesse, your job is so cool. How do, how do I become a narrator? And I have found that while I am almost always willing to be like, okay, big breath, are you gonna, are, are you sitting down? Because I've got all of the information. Do you have a pen? You know, like instead of wasting my time, or not wasting my time, but instead of investing my time answering all of these questions for somebody who's outside of the industry who, you know, wants information about how to get started. So spending all of the time giving them that and offering all of that to them and then having them do absolutely nothing with it is sort of just, not using my time to the most effective ways it could be used. So it, it's kind of a, a way to protect my own um, sensibilities where I can say, you know what, I'm so happy to talk to you about this, but um, it needs to be either a half hour coaching session or an hour coaching session because I just don't have the bandwidth to go into all of this with you 
outside of what I'm trying to accomplish on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. So, well, there are absolutely times when I'm like out and about, you know, like at a bar and somebody's like, oh, what do you do? I'm an audiobook producer. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I've always been told I've got a great voice. How do you oh, become gosh. If I'm feeling inclined, <laughs> I might say, well, go get a book, go get your favorite book and sit in a closet and read it out loud. And every time you make a mistake, you start the sentence over again. Mm -hmm. And then if you get through the whole book, here is my card and you may call me. (laughs) (laughs) um, So, but it also just ensures that the people that I am spending that sort of time explaining things to, investing in, putting out energy for, um, they, uh, everybody's feeling compensated for their but including yourself, because I think right. that something that I need to still learn is the that um, your time is money and that your wealth of knowledge is something that is of value. And as much as we all love to help, it does take time away from fill in the blank that could help pay the next bill, like my septic right. tank that decided to go kaputs. Uh, <laughs> Um, it, it's, it's worth it when you have a subject matter expert to go into this coaching scenario and not, but expect to, to pay and expect yeah. that this, that it, it's okay for, for someone that is a subject matter expert to pay for the time, um, and get paid rather the, t- the time that they're spending on helping elevate your own skill set and your own craftsmanship, um, right. and stuff like that. But also be aware that if, when you find these coaches to me or someone that does consultation, that it's legit. Yeah. In, in this case, yeah. yes, one hundred percent legit. <laughs> but I bring that up solely because there have been a few folks now that are starting to offer uh, consultations on information that's already been provided for free, especially yeah. in audiobook world. You know how to go about processes, how to go about gold cat. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that a lot of the narrators are posting on social media. And right. so before you spend your money on a cons- uh, on a consultation with someone that may have been a fan and is trying to do their own business um, and it's mm-hmm. just doing it this way. Do that, some of that back work, you know, leg work to find out who these individuals are. Jess has years of experience within the industry on, and on so many different levels that, I mean, such a wealth of knowledge. So if you can and want to, to know more about this industry, Jess is definitely someone that I highly recommend for that consultation and worth every single penny. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and of your time as well as someone that wants to know information it's it's definitely worth it um yeah it's also sort of a indicator of somebody's um wherewithal and actual interest in it because if i say happy to talk to you about this um why don't you go ahead and book a session with me it's a hundred dollars and i'll give you all of the information i can squeeze out of my brain in that hour session um and if somebody isn't willing to take that step, it's sort of indicative of the fact that they aren't going to be willing to put um, the financial backing into their craft because the people that are really successful in this realm are the people that are taking the classes, that are doing the legwork, that are investing in themselves in the business. And um, I think that they're in the past handful of years since the pandemic started there have been a lot of folks who have joined um the audiobook community which is delightful and wonderful and i you know i don't begrudge anybody joining this industry i wanted to join this industry it's a great place to be um but i think that there is a little bit of an ideology coming up that you don't necessarily have to do as much legwork 
to get somewhere right now, especially with, um, you know, there are a lot, some folks that have gotten really big just because they started doing TikTok lives and um, indie authors saw that, responded to it. And those folks who are wonderful at what they're doing might not have the, um, the, the, the technical background or the, the acting background or the insert correct thing here to ensure that all of their products are going to be consistent, timely, and all, um, delivered um, in a, you know, a reasonable time, all of that experience that comes with making sure that you're doing your due diligence. And that's not to say that those people can't be successful or great to work with, because I'm sure that they are. I'm not trying to begrudge anybody, but um, I think that when you sh- when you show up ready to invest in the platforms that are provided by people in the industry who are not who have these huge knowledge bases it goes a really long way to having to being able to show that you know as one of your talking points in those cold call emails when you start reaching out to publishers you can say i've coached with x y and z i've taken these classes here's the equipment that i've invested in and it really shows a producer or a publisher that you are serious about this craft. It's not just something that you're doing between jobs. The investment is in yourself and it's in the the knowledge that you're gaining from these individuals and it's it's money well spent. And, and it's something that you could always, if you didn't use it in this one particular gig, you can find it out for something else. But also, again, it goes back to having the authors do the due diligence before hiring someone that, you know, or, or paying someone to do a consultation. Um, and, and just because they sound great while they're doing a five second, I'm here, baby, you're a good girl (laughs) does not necessarily mean that they can maintain that for five and a half hours or in some books, 18. (laughs) I mean, there are some lengthy titles and, you know, I understand that, excuse me, um, there, sometimes there's a pretty hefty price tag associated with it. Um, you know, as an, I can see an indie author um, wanting the best for their book and uh, and then getting the the quote about what that mm-hmm. you know what the best narrator looks like you know um, or the quote for how much they they be or whatever that is like I understand that cost can be prohibitive um, and I'm not saying that you have to spend money to be successful um, but and. Um, there is something to be said for those things kind of being a benchmark for how you're setting yourself up for success. And um, I think that while an indie author, you know, the budgetary constraints are very real. They're very, you know, like you, you have to sort of go sometimes with what you can afford um, to get your product into the market, but it's, you have to be careful about uh-huh. who you're trusting with that. Cause like you said, what if this romance title is 18 hours and has 19,000 characters and you've hired somebody who maybe doesn't have um, that many titles under their belt. And while there's, and just based purely on that five minute audition that they did, and maybe that audition was stellar, but not having the backing um, support of experience might do more detriment than if you had just shelled out the money at the front and with in in good faith that 
the person on the other end is really going to know what they're doing yeah and and looking to see what other options are out there there's a whole slew of narrators and production companies in a variety different of price brackets and and what they offer and and sometimes certain things can be done a la carte certain things um, a lot of the narrators produce the books themselves and people don't Mm -hmm. talk about that sometimes or don't know about it um and so these are just really good questions to ask and then find, you know, who are you asking? Are you asking the fans? Are you asking someone that started listening to audiobooks a year ago versus six months ago versus, I don't know, 15 years? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. And, uh, and where, where are they getting their information? Are they copying some of the stuff that they've already seen on other, pl- other platforms? And does it sound way too familiar? And I'm going, hmm. Right. Uh, and so it's just, the money that you spend, whether it's on coaching, on, on a consultation about casting or a production company, keep in mind the saying is you get what you pay for. There's exactly. a reason why there's a saying. Yeah. And it's okay. You make mistakes. We, we, you know, you people learn, ask the questions though, make sure that you're doing your due diligence and yeah. um, reach out to someone that's in, in, that's been in the industry that is trusted, that knows uh, that uh, that's been around for more than the past two and a half years, because I'm a great thing that this pandemic has done is opened up the door for mm-hmm. so many people to discover audiobooks and this industry and for people to realize oh my god I can work in this yeah and that's yeah. fantastic but you don't want to have a doctor that just started doctor school um do your appendix exactly <laughs> you know exactly. that's that's exactly. the best example I can I can say is it, you don't want to ever discourage anybody from where to start, but you also wouldn't want a uh, someone that is, you know, pre-med to do something that is highly technical in you. I mean, we ask those questions, like how many years have you been doing this, sir? Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, you know, to further that sort of oh, that, you know, that um, comparison, mm-hmm. there's all, there's a reason why there's, um, you know, student teachers and student doctors. Like, you know, if I have a project that's you know maybe maybe the maybe the budget for it is a little bit less maybe the stakes on it are a little like Mm -hmm. less um high i can go to somebody newer and say i got this project are you interested and those projects aren't always going to be the best written the best quality but those are the things that teach you to be better because you have to take this thing that's perhaps not written super well and still do your very best with it and elevate it to a you know a sellable degree and those are the projects where you really earn your chops so that when you're given a beautiful piece of fiction you have the underlying technique that was forged in the fires (laughs) of bad writing you know like and you know that you have a skill set that you can really rely on because you've worked at at it so hard through some, you know, maybe some, it's just not great material. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, it's rare where people, when people sort of that are newer in the business turn their nose up at any given title. Um, and I fully understand people having different comfort levels with different sorts of material. I would never make somebody or ask somebody to record something that they're not comfortable with. Um, but beggars can't be choosers. I don't mm-hmm. like love that phrase, but also if you're being handed work and you're new to the business um, and you it and it's not work that you find objectionable, 
um, it's really, really good to remember that that's your homework. That's your, that's, that's, those are your building blocks. Those are the titles that are going to help you excel in um, the audiobook world. Yeah. And there's been, and I've, I've also said it, there's been times where the book, I can't do it with my eyeballs. There's just too many errors or it's just Uh not my jam. It's too descriptive. And I'm like, if I see that word one more time, uh, you know, uh, but then I'm like, I, I, I started like, is this an audio? And there's been so many times where the narrator's performance has saved it. And many times it hasn't been a top notch quote unquote, you know, high league uh, narrator it's been an up and coming and it's just one of those that their performance was just so like ah (laughs) you know refreshing and yeah yeah absolutely yeah Yeah. it's been so much fun getting to know you but one of the other things too that i do love um to play the game of two truths and a lie with my guests (laughs) and because you guys can get so creative sometimes (laughs) (laughs) so if you want to tell us three things about yourself we have to figure out the lie Okay. I'm ready when you are. All right. Well, here are my three things. Um, I have been to all 50 states. My favorite animal is an otter. And I have performed at Carnegie Hall. Wow. <laughs> you did your homework, folks. <laughs> <laughs> and I've always said it's always about the details. Okay, so you've been to all 50 states. Your favorite animal is an otter. And you have performed in... Carnegie Hall. Okay, yeah. which one's the lie? Hmm. Is the lie that you've been to all 50 states? Oh my gosh, you nailed it in one. That is it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the otters are too cute. I can totally make believe that that would be a truth, you know? And you would have busted out with a weird a animal. Little, <laughs> got a whole little otter shelf with um, Aww. you know, little figurines and some paintings and stuff that I've been Aww. gifted over i love them yeah but also carnegie hall can you give us a little bit of that <laughs> sure. um, that was uh in high school um i believe it was my junior year of high school um my choir um was invited with uh to go perform so we performed mozart's requiem um we did like a spring tour of new york it was very fun um and really just such a beautiful memory i remember walking out on stage and being like yep i'm never forgetting this ever 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 in my life it was just um kind of magical so perfect so has it been that you've only been to like 49 states um (laughs) (laughs) what's the detail there (laughs) it's i've not traveled as widely as i'd like um um, my parents are huge road trippers. Um, they every, you know, um, they just both retired last year, but um, every summer they would both get have work off and um, do a big road trip up to visit me or, you know, just around um, the various states. And this year they did a big trip out to the south. So they were in um, Louisiana and Mississippi. And um, so I'm hoping one day to kind of tag along with one of those trips with that. That'd be really nice. Fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's on my list of things to do. Get maybe like rent an RV or something and How start cool traveling that? more. Yeah. Right? Definitely be able to listen to more books. Oh. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jesse, for being a guest this year. It's been so much fun. Oh, um, it's so great to be here. Thanks yeah. For oh, absolutely. Um, before we do go, though, and officially say you know our goodbyes, is there anything that you can share with us that you're currently working on that what's coming up next that you can share? Oh gosh. Um, yeah, I have been, let me 
I was just looking at some of my upcoming um, titles. So in um, July, I we have a short story collection coming up, which I've had a really good time with. It's called Robots Through the Ages, um, edited by Robert Silverberg and Brian Thomas Schmidt. Um, it's uh, one of Blackstone's print books as well. So um, we'll, we're also the print publisher and it's got just a whole cast of folks um that i'm that i'm delighted to be to have um on board for each of the short stories there's a one of the short stories um is called r u r eight and are you are right um and it's a bunch of robots having a conversation together so it's a whole um cast a uh, little tiny micro play cast which is really fun and um we have a wonderful we just got the rights approved to use a recording um that the late great leonard nimoy recorded of one of the short stories um that has been in print for a while um so we have the audio that we are going to be able to add into the collection of him reading um one of the short stories which is really exciting um and that releases on july 25th so that's one of my um uh big titles that's um coming out that i'm really excited about and i am working um in a few months with a author who came another one of our print books um and um an author who came to us from the TikTok world and i'm not sure how much i can say about that um mm. just but um, her book is coming out in uh, October, and um, I get to direct her in her narration of it, and I'm super excited. And so, I'm sure I will post all over the social medias when yeah. that when when I'm allowed to say a little bit more <laughs> about it. But those are my two upcoming really um, exciting projects. Awesome, thank you. Yeah, those pesky NDAs, I tell you. <laughs> I know, I know. Just, it's okay. Just drop little breadcrumbs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always tell people like, okay, so are you gonna be a werewolf, a you know, an alien, a, a firefighter? What are you doing? That's all I need to know. <laughs> In this case, a robot. Yes. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you again for being part of this year's Audio Eleven series. It's been so much fun and so knowledgeable of, of uh, you know learning so much stuff from you so thank you oh thank you for having me it's been just an absolute blast i love chatting audiobooks so yeah anytime <laughs> yeah. remember you said that <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll have you back more for sure um everyone thank you for hanging out with us today and we hope you've enjoyed this chat as well as the series i'll make sure to include all of jess's social media uh platforms as well as blackstone's platforms uh, so you guys can follow them and um, get all these lovely goodies that are coming down the pipeline and you can find that information over on the audiobook loving series page at Viviana Enchantress the books and until next time happy listening